to the Business of Dance podcast, where you'll learn what it takes to create your dream professional dance career. Join us as we dive into the insights and experiences of the world's top dance industry professionals, including dancers, choreographers, agents, casting directors, educators, and other dance industry experts. We explore a diverse range of topics, from personal development and mental skills to audition techniques, creating meaningful industry connections, social media marketing, seeking out dance agents and casting opportunities, on-the-job etiquette, talent unions, pitching to the media, health, finances, and so much more. Here is your host, Menina Fortunato. Welcome to today's Business of Dance interview. We have an amazing special guest, and I'm super excited for all of you to meet I don't even know where to begin. His resume is forever long, but I'm going to try to highlight some of his iconic work. So Vincent is a, he was the director, writer, and co-choreographer for Six Soleil's Viva Elvis in Las Vegas. As a director and choreographer, uh, Vincent created a ton of work for Michael Jackson and, and Madonna. He did uh, the Blonde Ambition tour. He worked on the Bad Tour. He worked on Smooth Criminal. He worked on Blood on the Dance Floor and multiple music videos. Did the Michael Jackson Grammy Award performance, Super Bowl halftime show. Uh, he's choreographed The Birdcage, Evita, Hook with Steven Spielberg in The Search for Dr. Seuss, which he directed and choreographed. That received seven Emmy nominations. He's directed over 150 commercials with the award-winning director, Joe Pitka. He's also directed performances for Madonna and Barbara Streisand and Natalie Cole, Billy Joel, Elton John, Sarah Brightman, Sheila E. and many others. He was one of the guest judges on the TV show, Step It Up and Dance. He's worked with, like I said, Madonna, Michael Jackson, Van Allen, Paul McCartney, Leanne Rimes, Diana Ross, Lionel Richie, slash Whitney Houston, and he's the author of a new book called Instincts and Icons, which he shares his extraordinary stories throughout his career. So without further ado, this is a real treat. Uh, dancers, to be in the presence of Vincent Patterson is, is really, truly special because you may not know him personally, but we are going to get to know him. But I'm sure you know his work. So with that being said, Vincent, I mean, I... I was blown away by reading your book, which it's almost hard to even try to pinpoint what we want to talk about because the stories, I mean, let's start with Michael Jackson, for example. You guys created so many iconic work, the famous smooth criminal lean, for example, which we all know about, which- And some have even tried. (laughs) Right? And, And you know, all these years, I've always wanted to know how it was done. But it was interesting that you actually shared a little bit of that in the book. So I'm not going to reveal that. Good. That's a spoiler. That's a spoiler. So dancers, if you want to know how this Michael Jackson lean happened, uh, you got to read the book. But yeah, I had a lot of like theories of what it was, but it actually wasn't what I thought. So (laughs) you you got me. You got me. It was uh, very clever how you accomplished that. But between Thriller, Smooth Criminal, Blood on the Dance Floor, Dirty Diana, was there any particular project that you felt most proud of, that you enjoyed creating? And if so, why? With Michael Jackson, you mean? Yes, yes. Well, two things really were my favorites. First of all, every time creating with him was so cool because, you know, he was really shy when I first met him. I knew him for about 18 years, you know. When I first met him on Beat It was the first time because I'm the, if you watch Beat It, the video again, I'm the gang leader who does the knife fight in Beat It. So uh, I know many years ago when I was young and pretty, but anyway, so that was when I first met Michael Jackson and he was like so quiet and shy and sweet and nobody came with him when they came to the dance studio, the Debbie Reynolds studio. He just came in by himself and the driver, you know, and Hardly said a word. He was just so sweet. And then working, we we had a great time working. We got to know each other. And then the second project was Thriller. I didn't choreograph Thriller, but I was the assistant choreographer on Thriller and one of the dancing zombies. So, you know, again, I got to know Michael better. And as you ladies know, if you're an assistant, you kind of almost get to work with the celebrity a little bit more than the choreographer does because you spend the time fixing their body, helping them 
be sure they know the rhythm, be sure they know the body lines and stuff like that. So it gave me a chance to kind of know Michael a little bit better. And then one night I was sitting at home and I get this telephone call and I pick it up and <laughs> this voice goes, hi, is Vincent there? I said, who's calling? Hi, it's Michael Jackson. I said, get out of here. This is not Michael Jackson. No, it is. It's Michael Jackson. I said, get out of here. This is not Michael Jackson. If you don't tell me who this is, I'm going to, excuse me, but I won't use the word, but I'm going to hang up the phone. And he goes, no, Vincent, it really is me. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, Michael. I used the F word. I'm so sorry, man. I thought you were like a crank call, you know. But he 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 said, uh, asked me what I was doing and asked me if I would come over to the recording studio. I, I live in Hollywood and he was just around the corner. So I went over there and he had this song, Smooth Criminal, but he didn't really have, it wasn't finished. He just had like, Annie, are you okay? Annie, are you okay? He knew had that, and you've been hit by a smooth criminal. That was all. He didn't have anything else. And he played it for me, and then he gave me a little cassette. I don't know if you even know what those things are. Cassettes. Did you ever see those? <laughs> Ancient history. But anyway, I said, what do you want me to do? Do you, do you want me to dance in, in this short film? Because that's what he called them. And I said, is that what you want me to do? And he said, no, no, no. I want you to listen to the music. Let the music tell you what it wants to be. And then I want you to conceive that and choreograph it and direct it. And I was like, oh, really? I mean, I, I'd hardly done any choreography in my life yet, you know, and just little things here and there. But, but I guess he I guess. liked me because we got along together and he liked how we worked together. And so I listened to the music, which became basically how I learned to choreograph. I just you know, instead of imposing my ideas on music for all the years that I've choreographed, I would sit and just listen to the music one song, maybe a hundred times or something and let it fill me with the ideas and let it tell me what it wants to be. And that was the beginning of my next whole level of work with Michael. So Smooth Criminal was really, that, that was, that has to be the most famous favorite thing that I've done with him because he was doing an album and I would be in the studio. I got to cast it by myself. We were in a big sound stage. I had a, a dance floor on one side and then the set on the other side. So I would give class in the morning. I would teach new choreography. And then we would move over onto the set. And then I would shoot it with a video camera and go visit Michael when he was had breaks. And he would be so sweet. He would say, yeah, I really like it, but I think you need more dancers, don't you? I was like, yeah, sure, Mike. So he goes, get 10 more dancers. Well, by the end, I had like 70 dancers. You know, I started out with 10 and had 70 by the end. So it was so much fun. And meeting with him was always great. You know, he was, um, we would, the way we worked, and this is how I love the work, is you be really intense, focused, work, 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 and then laugh, 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 and then work, 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 and then laugh, 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 laugh. So it was always like that. It was always just being creative. And and as a creator, the the only thing that was ever asked by him and Madonna was the most perfect thing that any artist could ever be asked. Please create something that the world has never seen before. Total freedom to be whoever you are as an artist and fulfill your own truth as an artist. So that was the incredible times I got to spend with Michael Jackson. And, you know, it was uh, it was pretty phenomenal. And the one other thing that was cool with working with him was that we changed. You ladies won't remember this, but a long time ago, back in the ancient history of the Super Bowl, there was no halftime show. The halftime show was marching bands and the marching band would come out and that was the end of it. That was it. But with Michael, he and I changed the whole face of Super Bowls. He was the first one to ever perform and have a show at halftime Super Bowl. So that was so exciting for me to be able to like change the face of Super Bowl. It, we, we changed history with that. And, and it's never gone back, as you see, as you now know, from even, to, you know, Beyonce, Janet Jackson, everybody in the world has done it now. It's just been incredible. But I got to start that with Michael. So I'm very well, that grateful. Was, that work on Super Bowl. I mean, it's still to this day, one of my favorites. And you mm. guys set groundbreaking 
you know, just a new way of performing. Like the Super Bowl has now become, and it still is, one of the most highly rated, most watched, grand, spectacular shows. <laughs> and and it must have been a real treat to have no restrictions on budgeting, on creativity, you know. And even Madonna, I noticed that reading your book, Madonna with the Blonde Ambition Tour was just like, let's do anything and everything we could ever dream of. Her all her ambitions, as you said in the book. So even she was an interesting one. What really caught my attention was how you met on the set of the Pepsi commercial. She was not too nice to you. No, she wasn't. And I will use the F word here because I'm using it as a quote, but... This incredible director named Joe Pitka, I'd done a couple of commercials with him already, and, and he was going to do direct this Pepsi commercial with Madonna. And Madonna told him, I don't want to sing. I don't want to dance. And he thought, what the heck am I going to do with her? She doesn't sing and dance, you know. Right. So he calls me up and he says, Vince, will you come down? And I, Madonna's here. And I, I don't know what I'm going to do with her. She doesn't want to sing. She doesn't want to dance. Just come on down and be here. And I said, OK. So I came down and I'm standing there with Joe Pitka and I remember this is her language, but Madonna comes walking by with her entourage and Joe Pitka says, Madonna, wait, I want you to meet Vincent Patterson. He's Michael Jackson's choreographer. And Madonna looked at me and said, I don't need a choreographer and walked away. And I was like, so embarrassed. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, what do I do from here? You know? So anyway, so Joe said, just stay for me, just stay, just stay, just stay. You know her. And I said, Yeah, I know her. She's wacky, you know. But so we were trying to do one shot where you can imagine this, ladies. So here's the stage. Madonna's on the stage and the camera's down here. And when she was finishing a pirouette, they wanted the camera to be right there, boom, right in front of her. So they were having problems making it happen. So I went over to her and I said, Miss Madonna, I can make this happen and you can get out of here in five minutes because she was being really, bitchy, I'll say the word. But anyway, <laughs> so I talked to the camera operator, the crane operator, and I talked to Madonna and I gave him a count. I said, OK, you're going to be there by four. Madonna, you're going to spin and turn, finish by four. They did it in one count. Madonna was out of there. She walked by and she said, you're good and left. Right. So <laughs> the next day I was down there, Joe said, please come back. I'm, I'm bringing some dancers. So he brought in a bunch of dancers and he said, just give them something to do coming down the street and things like this. So I was giving them some stuff and I'm facing them and we're in the big sound stage. And, and all of a sudden they one by one stop dancing. And I'm like, dancers, what's going on here? And I turn around and it's Madonna and she's got on like bunny slippers and a big robe. And she goes, what are you doing? And I said, really apologetically and I'm kind of scared. Uh, Madonna, I'm not doing anything for you. I promise. I promise. I'm just doing something for the dancers. And she said, oh, I like it. I really like it. Let me get changed and I'll come back and I'll learn it. So that became the relationship, you know, and oh, you so was, <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever. It, it, you can just do what you could do. You know, Menina, we, we go through it and you know, we know what we're called upon and we do the best we can. So that's that was that one. No, that was wild. When I read that story, I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> I can only imagine because she 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 doesn't hold herself back when it comes to her language. So the fact oh, that no. she like met you and was like right off the bat, like, I don't want to work with you. I don't want to deal with you. I want no choreography, no dancing. Leave me alone. And then turned <laughs> out to be like. And then also it was a very interesting story about the Blonde Ambition Tour. I'd love for you to share with how you were not originally hired uh -huh. and it didn't exactly work out with the original choreography team. And you were brought on kind of on a last minute scramble yeah. and then created magic together. Do you guys, you want to elaborate more on that story? I will. I don't know if any of you ladies ever saw any of the Blonde Ambition Tour, but it was a pretty exciting tour and it was really, people call it Madonna's best tour. But again, that was what happened with the Super Bowl happened with tours, too. I mean, Madonna said, do whatever you want. And I came from theater. I was an actor and a director before I started dancing at 24. So I, I said, OK, well, I want to make this like a piece of theater. You know, she said, great. So this was the first pop tour ever that had costume changes it Sets. had projections it had set changes that kept changing i mean it was the first time again another opportunity i had to change history because of madonna's this time so it was incredible but yes i did the commercial and i did a video called express yourself for her 
And when I finished Express Yourself, she said, I want you to work on my tour with me. And I said, great. So then I heard a couple months later that she was auditioning dancers. And I said, well, I guess I'm not doing that one. And so uh, anyway, we heard that she had decided to go with a modern choreographer from New York, thinking that, you know, like she always liked to mess things up a little bit. And she thought, well, okay, this will be an interesting thing. I'll bring in a modern choreographer and we'll try that. Well, the modern choreographer was there for four and a half weeks. and. All of a sudden, I get a call from Madonna at home. Again, one of those calls. Hi, Vincent, what are you doing? I said, well, Madonna, not really much of anything, but you must want something because this is the first time you ever called me at home. So she said, Vincent, I made a big mistake. I hired the wrong person and they don't know what they're doing. And, you know, and and, and the guys are here and the, and the guys from New York are, 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 are flicking lit cigarette butts at her because they won't give her, she won't give them any steps. And she keeps saying, just do something like a turn, do something like a jump. And they all want to kill her. So I got to fire her and I've got four weeks left. I have four weeks left before I start this tour. Can you please come and do it? Well, I did go and do it, but I'm going to tell you a wonderful little story. Today, I got a beautiful, beautiful Facebook message from a young dancer, 17, from Toronto. Hmm. She had just finished my book. And the beautiful thing was she said she's dyslexic. And her family, her mother and father and her brother all sat around and read my book over two weeks. The parents and the brother read the book to her because she could. Ha- she was having a hard time reading it because of her dyslexia, you know. But she said one thing that actually changed her life recently was the story with Madonna. What happened was when Madonna called me to do it, I said she would have to talk to my agents to be able to negotiate the deal. And The thing was, she was being really stingy because she said she paid the first choreographer all this money, so she didn't have all this money left to pay me, right? Right. So I basically talked to my agents, and we came up with a number, which was very, very fair, and it gave her ownership of everything I created in perpetuity. She could make videos, she could make movies, she could do whatever she wanted with the work, but it wasn't a grand amount of money. Anyway, she said no. And she said, no, even up to the moment when I was supposed to go and, and show up. And I stood my ground and I said, no, this is what's fair. You want a lot from me. I have to come in. I have to take over in half the time, give you a complete show in half the time to put it together. I had 21 days to do 18 songs. I was the only choreographer. I I directed the show and I choreographed it. 18 songs in 21 days, complete. I mean, it was insane. So the rest of my story was, I was supposed to show up there at one o'clock in the afternoon, but Madonna didn't agree on the contract. So I said, I'm not going. So I went to a movie instead to not be depressed. And I came home and I had all these messages on my machine. Remember this was before social media. So I had all these messages on the machine Get down there. Madonna agreed to the deal. Go get down there right away. Get down there right away. And so I did. And the rest is history. But this lovely young dancer wrote me and said, your story about not taking less than what you felt was fair totally changed my life. And this is what happened. They had just read the story from me. And two days later, I was asked to be the lead dancer in a show that was going to Guam. She's 18 years old. And she's what's it called when you have freedom to work? I can't remember what that's called. The right to work, even if you're underage. Where you get to work as an adult if you're not legally. Yeah, I can't um, remember what that is. But I know what you're talking about. Okay. Well, anyway, yeah. she, she had that. So she was able to go to Guam if she wanted. She was 18, almost 18 years old. And she said, you know what? They were giving me so little money and they were treating me so badly. And they wanted me to be the lead. And I had just heard your story. And I said, if Vincent could do this with Madonna, I can do this with these producers for a project in Guam. And she said, I'm not doing it. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. But no, a week and a half later, they called her back. They doubled her salary. They gave her, they upped her from being third class to business class to go to Guam. I mean, everything changed because she believed in herself enough to state what she would work for. And she stood by it. So that when she didn't get it, she said, no, thank you. And look what happened. And I just was so moved, Menina, that 
she had just got that lesson she said from reading from having the story read to her about the way I stood up for against Madonna at with not giving me enough money to work you know so no it was a very bold move for you to do and the fact that you stuck your ground and in the end you got what you wanted and she still was happy at the end as well she was happy with what you created so everybody in the end was happy (laughs) but but yeah a lot of choreographers probably would have bit the bullet and just been mm. you know disgruntled with what they've got and just accept it because it's madonna nobody yeah. wants to say no to madonna so and i'm sure she respected you more because of that i think end. so i think so you know because she realized that i wasn't just somebody who was going to kiss her butt like everybody else that surrounded her right. but that i had integrity and i had the self-worth you know so no and absolutely, i mean right rightfully so i mean you had to take on a whole new show and revamp it in a short amount of time i mean that was probably worth more than what they had paid the previous person that got nothing accomplished or very little in the, in their period of working. So no, yeah. that was, that was really uh, bold of you. I, I was like, go Vincent <laughs> <laughs> standing up to Madonna. Not too many people would be willing to do that. <laughs> um, well, I wanted to give the dancers an opportunity to speak to you as well and ask some questions, but before we do that, is there any other stories that you want to share? Any other piece of work? I mean, you've between all the commercials, the Pepsi commercials and the, I mean, every award show that you've done, Marie Antoinette, I mean, there's just so many works that we can speak of, but is there anything maybe that's not as grandiose or well-known that you're proud of as far as the work, whether it's choreography or directing or even acting? Because I know that's another thing too we didn't talk about yeah. is you have a theater background before you, even, before you even got into the whole dance world, which kind of, kind of seeped to happen organically it really wasn't your supposed to be your focus but it became your focus is there any other stories that you'd like to kind of elaborate or share on i will talk a little bit about the acting because i you know i i really i began as an actor i had a really tough childhood and it was very very difficult and we were very poor and the only way i kind of was able to get out of that difficult home life was to in junior high school and high school was to go to the theater i mean be in the theater at school And it gave me an opportunity to be characters that were nothing like who I had to be at home. And it just gave me a fantasy life and saved my life, basically. So when I went on to school, I wound up creating for Dickinson College the first theater major. They didn't have a theater major. And I I was so in love with the school. I went to, after my second year, um, I needed a major and I was going to go to NYU and I auditioned and I got in. But I didn't have any money, so they didn't give me scholarships. Well, the good thing was Dickinson called me back and said, if you come back, we'll give you full scholarship and we'll let you create the first theater major here. So I went back and I worked for like a couple months in the summer and I created a theater major that many, many people and now hundreds of people have graduated with. But but what I feel, the reason that, as I said, I started dancing at 24 and I believe that I was successful as a dancer partially because I had it in my body. It was, it was who I was supposed to be, obviously, but also because my approach was as an actor, because Mm -hmm. my body was, I wasn't an athlete. So touching my toes meant maybe touching my knees if I was lucky. (laughs) And second position meant this, this is where my legs were in second position on the floor, you know? (laughs) So, I mean, I had to break my body apart. I had to walk around with a broomstick under my arms all over Tucson, you know, to pull myself up. I had a backpack with a big, thick telephone book that I would sit on to open my, so that my body would fall over and I would get a better second position. And I had a Coke bottle that I would carry with me and I would roll my feet every chance I could, because I had to break everything apart. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I did that really got me going was I went to the library and I got out books by that had images of Rudolf Nureyev. And I said, because I was taking class with girls that were 10 to 15, because there were no adult classes. So I was doing that. And I would look at these photo, these beautiful photographs of Nureyev, and I would think, okay, today I'm going to be this character. So even though I was really awkward and really bad, I would put this character in my head and everything I would do at the bar, I felt like that character. So I approached it from an actor. And Mm. the one thing that I want to talk to about all the ladies that are here, or if there's guys watching from Facebook too, is I did this with exercise often with my dancers. If we're doing a project and it involved character, I would have everybody write their own biography. So you would have to know who you are, 
what a new name is for you, how you fit into this environment. Did you know other dancers? What were their names, but not really, only as characters. So if when we finish this or sometime, I want you to go back and look at the video Smooth Criminal, because that was the first time that dancers really got involved. I mean, we wrote three page biographies they did. And the way we worked is every time we had to rehearse, they wouldn't just walk onto the set. They had to go through this green door, the door that Michael Jackson comes in and out. And when they did, they had to be their character. They had to call each other by the character names and not by their dancer names so that they became the characters in this club. They had to know how many times they came there, what was their favorite drink they ordered when they came there, what song did they like that played that they danced to. I mean, all of this stuff. So the reason I want you to watch this video is because if you look at any dancer in a close-up, it's not like you're looking at a dancer. It's like you're looking at an actor, an actor or an actress, because they filled in so much background that you really see stuff going on in their minds. So I'm encouraging all of you, you never know, and this I say this a lot in the book, you never know when the next opportunity is right around the bend, and you never know what that opportunity is going to be. It's only, it can always be very, very surprising. You think you're pushing yourself this way for this one thing, and all of a sudden a door opens over here, you know. But what ha might happen is the person from that door says, Wow, you're a beautiful dancer. Have you ever done any acting? Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I never have. Oh, sorry. Too bad. We'll go with somebody else. Kids, take an acting class. Take a scene study class. Take a voice class. You know, you never know. It's not enough to just be a dancer anymore. It really isn't. It used to be that triple threat meant Broadway. Now triple threat means everywhere. It really, really does. And if you're there, if you're prepared, you know, if you've taken some voice classes, if you've taken some acting classes, if you know how to pick up a script and read some lines cold for a director or a producer, who knows? You might get the lead in the next Disney movie. You know, you just never know. So I just want to say, if you have time on your hands, take an acting class, take a voice class round yourself out as a performer because if you're on here most likely that's what you want to do with your life is be some kind of performer so anyway just a little bit of advice no that's great advice and it's so true because yeah. i never aspired to be an actress at all and i remember getting a guest starring role on star trek enterprise because they needed a dancer who could act and I just so happened to be doing scene study classes and audition technique classes, not because I wanted to be an actress, but just because I wanted to have it in my toolbox. Yeah. And, it worked. and you never know when those opportunities arise. And that's yeah. one thing I've noticed about your work specifically is all of, especially the music videos that you've done, everything seems to be a short film. Mm -hmm. There's always a story. There's always acting. I mean, even your role in Beat It, when you actually look at your dancing, it was it was really just to me, it was mostly acting. You're walking around, you got the badass face, and then you're, you know, you're got the whole knife scene and you're doing your little pivot. You know, it wasn't intricate, crazy choreography, but yeah. you actually break it down. Even, even just the, the simple group choreography wasn't anything crazy. No. It was theatrical. And mm. that's and that's one thing that has stood out from your work as a both a performer, but also as a as a director and as a choreographer, which um I think is is really unique. And because of your story, you didn't come from the traditional trained all my whole life, became mm. a dancer later. So you've had to compensate for that. And in a way created something totally new instead of kick, jump, turn, kick, jump, turn, which we <laughs> see all the time, especially in the dance competition world, we saw theatrics, we saw stories, yeah. which is really, really, really cool. All right. Well, that being said, I would love, I mean, there's so many things that I would love to talk to you about, but I would like to hear from the dancers to take yeah. this opportunity to ask Vincent if there's anything about his work that you want to discuss or a question you have for him. If you want to ask for any particular advice, raise your hand. Anybody have a question? Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Come on. I'll bite your hand off. I promise. Randy? 
I have a question about like how you started tapping into choreography. I know you, you know, didn't grow up like the dancer route, but like kind of what inspired you to like choreograph? And then how did you like tap into that creativity and like make a whole scene out of using other people and like music video concepts? Like how did you tap into that side of creativity? Well, you know, I was, as Menina said, I, I was an actor and I was a director first and I, I really loved dancing and I was a really good dancer. I, I, I learned fast. I was surprised. Everybody was surprised that I started at 24 because I was really good, but I took a lot of technique classes, but I always knew that I didn't want to be in front of the camera. For me, I always wanted to be back on the other side. I always liked directing more than I did acting. So I observed everybody. I, I worked with many choreographers and I watched and I watched and I watched and there were a lot of good ones and there were a lot of bad ones, you know, but when you're a young struggling dancer, you do anything you can to make a buck so you can pay the rent. You know, I, I had a, the, a Maureen Jahan, who is the girl who actually, I don't, you, I don't know if you know this story, but there was a movie called Flash Dance. And the, my friend Maureen Jahan was a dancer and she became the dance double. And she's famous. I mean, if you don't know the movie, you know the picture where there's the silhouette of the beautiful girl and she's on the chair and the water's all falling Marine. down on her face. That's Maureen Jahan. Well, because it was a scandal after it came out that Maureen was the dance double, she got a lot of publicity. And she was asked to come to Italy for a six-week TV show on Rai TV, and they asked her if she would bring a choreographer and a lead dancer. So because I had wanted to choreograph, I would take different friends into a studio every once in a while and just say, can we play a little bit? And I would just put on some music and I would just choreograph some stuff, you know, and play around. So when this happened for Maureen, Maureen was one of the women, friend, girlfriends that I had who I had done that with. I had played around with that in the studio. And so she said, why don't you come with me? Why don't you do it? So that was actually my first chance to choreograph. You know, I went to Italy with her and I, I, I danced as her partner on a couple of the pieces, but I choreographed like eight different big pieces for her over uh, six weeks. And that's how I kind of got into it. And as I did, I knew I loved it. I loved it. I, I really enjoyed it. And, and I knew that I had a different perspective because from coming from the theater world, I could bring what Menina just said that a lot of narrative into my work, you know, and, and teach dancers a little bit more about that and about the acting side as well as the dancing side. So that's kind of how it happened for me. And then now I'm, you know, I'm in my early seventies and I started to, I, I, think I kind of choreographed my last big project about five years ago, just before the pandemic, two years before the pandemic. And it was the musical Evita that I directed and choreographed at a most beautiful theater in Vienna. And so I did that. And now I'm getting ready to do a monster new musical original piece. I've decided I'm not going to choreograph. I've decided I'm going to give it to somebody else. And so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for a choreographer for the first time in my life, really. It's kind of exciting. Oh, well, congrats on the on the new gig. I was gonna Thanks. say what's next, what's coming up. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. that's and this musical is going to be where in is well, it a touring show or is well, it what, well what's happened right now is we the the authors who are quite famous uh work we've worked on it for about seven years, six years now, I guess. And in September I did a big presentation in Holland. My personal producer is Dutch. And after the presentation, we got $10 million and he Amazing. wants to. Yeah. So now we're doing a presentation in March. He feels that politically, if we, he wants the show to open in London. So mm. he feels though, politically, if he goes in as just a complete Dutch company, they won't be as taken, taken as seriously. Mm -hmm. But if he teams up with somebody like Cameron McIntosh or Andrew Lloyd Webber, these are his personal friends, this billionaire guy, that it would be much better politically in London. So we have, I'm doing another one in March. And then after that, and he said, if it does, if, if we don't get that extra money, he'll put all the money in. So it's going to happen and That's it'll probably amazing. start happening sometime later this year. Yeah. Thanks. Well, congrats. Can't thanks. wait to hear about it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Randy. Does that answer your question? Give me a thumbs up. I think so. Raise your hands if you have a question. Haley, go for it. As someone who's always behind the camera and like scouting like the dancers and actors and whatnot, 
What is like the main thing that you look for when you're casting? I look for a couple things. First of all, I look to be sure that the person that I'm casting is not going to be a pain in the butt. And I mean that very seriously. You know, I watch everybody from the minute they walk in the room and you can tell who who's going to be someone you want to work with and who's somebody that you don't want to work with. The worst person that you don't want to work with is somebody who everybody's in the room concentrating. If, if, if they're acting, they're looking at their scenes. If they're dancing, they're warming up. And somebody comes in the room and screams to somebody across the room and they just saw them yesterday. You know what I mean? But they disturbed all the, the, the focus and the work that people are doing. And immediately that's a red flag for me that says, you know what? This person doesn't have any respect for anybody else in the room. So I don't want to work with that person. First of all, I look for people who I believe will respect each other because every project, there's not one project that happens without some kind of snag. Something always happens, right, Menina? I mean, come on. I mean, even this interview today. Was yeah, exactly. Example. I'm on a plane. Something, my flight's delayed. I'm at the airport. Sound's not working. I know. <laughs> it, something always happens. So you want to be sure that you that you bring in people on a project that you know are going to be supportive of each other and respectful of each other. That's the first thing I look at. Talent, of course, I look at. From that, By that, what I mean is I, I want to see who you are. You know, I want to see you. So I'll give you another quick little thing. When I auditioned for Beat It, this is funny, but again, coming from the world of acting, I came into the room, there were maybe about 150 guys there, and every one of the guys had what that male dancers wore back in early eighties, which was (laughs) neon colored skin tight tank tops and skin tight dance pants and leg warmers, you know, and even the guys and black jazz shoes. I mean, that's what everybody wore. I don't care what you were doing. That's what, that's what you wore. So I knew it was gangs they were looking for. So I came in the exact clothes that I wore in the video. They wound up using my clothes in the video. I let my beard grow a little bit. I greased my hair back. I had an earring in my ear, you know, and I came into the room like this character. I didn't, I wasn't pushing anything. It was just, I knew that's what they wanted to, that they were looking for. And I thought, hey, if I can make them see me as this character, maybe that'll help me get the role. Well, I walked in the room, I saw Michael Jackson immediately say to Michael Peters, who's that guy over there? Who's that? Well, of course, I was the only one that looked like a gang guy, you know, I mean, of that time, whatever we want to call gang guys. But and then I could dance. So the fact that I could dance and the fact that I looked like that instantly, I think is what got me the role. So what I'm saying about that is when you go into an audition, bring something of yourself, both personally and physically don't dress like unless they say you this is what you have to wear blah 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 wear something that shows who you are you know what i mean don't try to look like every single other person in the room because then you're just going to disappear do something that maybe wear a bright color or or you know everybody else is going to come in there in black you know so do something that's a little bit more fun that will make you stand out a little bit and be seen I look for talent, of course. I look for people that treat each other with respect. And I look to see if you feel self-assured, if you feel confident, because I don't want to be babysitting, you know? I'm not talking about you have to be perfect because we always improve in everything we do in every project. We're going to learn something and we're going to share something, you know? So, but do the best you can and bring yourself. That's the most important thing. Don't try to be like anybody else in that room because most people are not looking for people that look like everybody else anymore. It used to be everybody was a cookie cutter. Everybody had to look alike, you know. Now it's beautiful. Things have changed and individuals stand out. So allow yourself that opportunity, okay? Yeah, thank you. Good luck and good luck. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Awesome. Thanks so much, Haley. Emily, do you have a question? Wait, really fast. What's the name of your book? Oh, my book is called Icons, I-C-O-N-S. Oh, here, Menina has it up. Icons and Instincts. And you can get it on Amazon.com. Yeah, that's where I ordered it from, too. Yeah, Amazon.com, they have it. You know, what, what I'm happy about my book is 
it's not just about the stories of the work, but it's kind of about about me as an artist. And people look at me now and they think, oh my gosh, your your life has been so perfect and everything fell into place and you're so lucky and all of this. And you know, and what I wanted people to know is that part of that is really true. I really feel blessed and very grateful. But there's a lot of times where it's not that easy, you know, and you really have to believe in yourself and you really have to talk to yourself and you have to listen to that that inner voice, that instinct inside that's talking to you and telling you you're on the right path or do this or don't do that or whatever, you know, and, and that's a really important part of my book. I wanted people to know that being prepared is important, like I mentioned before, and that oh, you're going to hear many more no's than you're going to hear yeses. So just believe in yourself and just keep working hard, you know, and if this is what you really want, in some way, it's going to manifest in some way. It might not be exactly the way you think it is going to happen, but if you keep working hard and you dedicate yourself and you're a good person, you don't try to hurt other people, you don't try to step on anybody else to get where you can be, it'll happen for you. That's what life's about, I believe. Well, that was actually one of the things I noticed in the beginning of your book that was encouraging is you did not have it easy. You came to LA with nothing, literally nothing in your pocket. You had a sleeping bag on the floor. You you stayed rent-free in someone's apartment, two people, a hooker with a poodle and a, what was the other person? (laughs) The other was a a wonderful black uh, Vietnam vet, the biggest screaming, the biggest screaming queen you ever met. And, and a, and a white woman who was a hooker and her French poodle. And, I had nothing and they gave me a I had Nine a sleeping bag and they gave me a little corner of the living room in a one bedroom apartment and that's where I lived auditioning for 9 months before I got my first job. So, yeah, it wasn't easy. Yeah, no, I think and I think that's really important for the young dancers to hear because it's very easy to get discouraged. It's very easy to want to quit when things get hard. And yeah. I think the common denominator with a lot of us that have moved to LA to try to do the big dream is we don't always have it easy. Yes, we, you know, we have peaks and valleys, but we mm-hmm. don't always talk about the valleys. And sometimes the valleys can be very deep and can last a really long time before we peak up again. Yeah, I actually talk in my book about a moment I had where I had considered suicide because you know, my life was going so great. Everything was happening. Everything was happening. And all of a sudden, everything stopped happening, stopped happening completely. I couldn't get hired for anything. And I basically freaked out. I I forgot that love and friendship and, and all of that is the most important thing in the world. And I got hung up on the fact thinking that my career was the most important thing in the world, you know? Thank God it didn't happen, but I came very, very close. And I wanted to share that. Sorry, I get emotional, but I wanted to share that in my book too, you know, because it's a reality, you know, it's a reality of what we can go through. So, you know, anyway, sorry. <laughs> Hi. So I want I wanted to add on to what you were just talking about. What was like a big thing that kept you motivated when you were feeling like down or like there were like obstacles in your way. Friends, friends, you know, friends that, that was really what it was. It's love basically, you know, it's friends who believe in you and love you and, and trust you. And uh, sorry, I get emotional care for you. And, you know, we need them. We can't do it by ourselves. You know, we need people that love us and people that we can love because that's basically what creativity is anyway. You know, hopefully it comes from a place of love and we give it with love and it's received with love. So that's what I can say pulled me through those times or yeah, people that loved me and people that I loved. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. So dancers, we're kind of to, to the last wire. So does anybody uh, else want to come on and go for it, Victoria? You've got your hand up. What are some of like the biggest inspirations you think of when uh, either coming up with, you know, choreography or just, you know, any of your directing ideas? Where does most of your inspiration come for, come from for those? Well, you know what? It comes from all over the place. I have a big drawer in a file cabinet. and 
when I look through like a magazine or online or something, and if I see some kind of image that gets me, it could be anything from a crocodile to a a bridge at sunset. I don't know, but I just get, if I hooked by an image, I'll tear it out of the book or I'll copy it and print it and put it in this file drawer. And so I have thousands of images of things that just kind of got me somehow. So oftentimes that's what I'll do. I'll put them in file. I'll say like, Women, men, sports, blah, 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 all uh, colors, the sky, flowers, just machines, crazy things, you know. And when I get a project after I've done, if it's a dance project, choreography project, I do what I told you that Michael Jackson told me to do, which is listen to the music first and let it tell you what it wants to be. So that's what I do. I sit and I concentrate for a long time with the music. And I start out by getting visuals like a shape. You know, like, oh, there's a, yeah, there's a straight line there, or there's a circle there. I, I can feel a circle, or I can feel a, 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 a up movement. There's things, crazy things like that. And then I start to get a concept, and then I start to look in those drawers, and I pull out pictures. I might pull out 50 pictures. I don't know what they relate to, but somehow they get me somehow. And and I take them into the studio and I start to put the thing, I put them all over the floor and I just start to work and, and it all seems to fall into place. So I think it's letting the music talk to me. And also just anytime I find an image, grab it and keep it and put it somewhere that I can come back and see if it moves me again some way, you know, like I'll tell you like a funny thing. Like, I mean, pretty much everybody knows that the Michael Jackson lean and smooth criminal. I mean, it's been everywhere, you know? Well, that original idea for that came from a modern dance company called Momix, M-O-M-I-X. And I saw them perform on stage, a guy and a girl, and they were on skis, snow skis. And so because they were on skis, they could do all of this stuff, you know? They could move all these different directions. Well, that was about maybe I'm going to say 15 years before I did Smooth Criminal, but that image stuck in my head of those people on those skis. So when I was doing Smooth Criminal, I thought, you know, Michael likes weird things. Like, what if I did some crazy thing where all the guys leaned over and came back up somehow, you know? I didn't do it with things on the floor, I'll tell you that. Anyway, so it's just stuff like that. I'll write those little notes down for myself or something that moves me or I'll see a movie and, and something sticks in my head and I'll jot it down in a notebook, you know? So it can come from anywhere, I think. And it can even come from being quiet and meditating. On the other hand, you know, I mean, some of the best stuff comes from that. So all over the place. I think it's just about staying aware, keeping your eyes open, keeping your senses alert. You know, Bjork, I worked with Bjork. I don't know if you know who Bjork is, but uh, she's an Icelandic singer. And I did a movie with her and she's so cool. She would walk around with a little like before we had cell phones. So she had a little tape deck and we'd be walking around on the street and there'd be like a dump truck or something making a weird noise. And she'd go, oh, Vincent, wait a minute, please. And then she'd record that sound, you know, or somebody swinging, closing a, a door or a, a gate or something. And she'd go, oh, would you do that again, please? And have them do the operate the gate again. And And this is what she uses as inspiration for her music. So. You know, things can come from everywhere. It's really just about keeping your senses alert and alive and enjoying your life, enjoying your life a thousand percent. Amazing. I love that. And we have a question before we wrap up from uh, Facebook, from Tepe. Knowing what you know now in your career, what would you have done differently? I don't have any regrets. There's only one thing that I can almost call a regret. And it probably won't mean that much to anybody but me, but I had just finished doing Michael's tour and then I directed Madonna's tour and then I got a call from Hal Prince to come and choreograph a Broadway show called Kiss of the Spider Woman with Cheetah Rivera and just as I was about ready to take it Michael Jackson called me back and asked me if I would do his next tour and I decided that I always like to challenge myself and I thought okay I've already done two tours let me go do a Broadway show and it was a horrible experience. You know about it, Menina, because it's in the book, but 
it was just wrong. And I wish I had stayed with Michael Jackson. I did continue to keep working with Michael Jackson on other projects, but I wish I had stayed with him and not gone to New York. So that's the only thing that, that that's the only answer that I can have for that. That's my one regret. Yeah. Amazing. Well, is there any final thoughts, friendly words that you would like to share with anybody watching on Facebook or these group of dancers here that are all in their transition years from amateur dancer to professional dancer? Any words of wisdom? I don't know how wise it is, but, you know, be good to yourselves. Be kind to yourselves. You know, it's a tough, it's a tough business out there. It really is. And as I said, you're going to hear a lot more no's probably than you're going to hear yeses. Be good to yourself, you know, love yourself, love what you do and, and, and be happy. That's the most important thing in life, you know, and if this beautiful art that you're working on will carry you through and, and, and if that's what fulfills you follow your dreams, no matter what, keep on doing it because maybe you might not become a prima ballerina of that company. Maybe you not become the next superstar on, so you think you can dance, but you know what? Maybe you'll have just an incredible life and the happiest life you could ever imagine. So be good to yourself. That That's the one thing I want to say. I love that. Well, thank you so much, for Vincent, for taking time out of your Sunday to be with us. Dancers, let's give him a little virtual applause. Yay! A little jazz hands. <laughs> thank you, Menina. It's been really nice to be here. Yes, and thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you for being so candid with us and just free and expressing yourself. And it really it means a lot to all these dancers to be able to be in your presence, share the stories. I'm sure much wisdom. Kayla on Facebook says, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I just say one more thing. If you do wind up reading my book, anybody, and you do want to communicate with me, I'm on Facebook, message me, I'll gladly talk to you. You know, if there's specific parts that you want to discuss or anything like that, I'm very open as you can tell. So anyway, thank you. Have a beautiful holiday, you know, beautiful holiday. We appreciate you so much. And that concludes another episode of the Business of Dance podcast. We hope you found today's conversation insightful and gained valuable knowledge. Be sure to join us next time for more inspiring interviews with top professionals in the dance industry. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the Business of Dance on your favorite platform and take a moment to leave a review. Your feedback is greatly appreciated. This podcast is brought to you by the Business of Dance online mentorship program to help aspiring professional dancers create their dream dance careers. Thank you for listening. Until next time.